0: Hello everyone, we're here again on the beloved Stockdale decking for another one of our summer interviews and this morning, not this evening, this morning, we are interviewing Richard. Hi Richard. Hello. Thank Hello. you for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. I half expected to see you in your seat because when I, when I hear Richard's name, I think he's been working really hard during lockdown. Is that pretty much a fair assessment, a snapshot of what your lockdown has been like?
1: But I haven't worn a suit once, and in fact, I sometimes look at my ties and think, "Will I ever wear a tie again?" But I have been working very hard. Is that
0: because it's all on the screen as opposed to?
1: We're no one wears ties. It's casual. Yeah, it's all about the content.
0: All about the content. There's something for us to. to Sadly, (laughs) point on (laughs) you.
1: Can't can't get away with a nice tie.
0: Lots of people know that you're working quite hard not lockdown, but what? Yes. Okay, what is it that you actually do? That's useful because I actually don't know. Exactly. And I could make a, a so, fist of it. But...
1: So in fact, it's, it all started before lockdown. Um, so in early February, I was asked to start leading the, uh, the preparations for a possible pandemic for the adult social care sector. And initially, there were about five of us. then it grew to twenty and At that stage, if you remember it was all about people who were stuck on cruise ships having to be repatriated to the u k so it was all it didn't really mean very much and yeah. We brought together groups of people and thought about well what what guidance do you need to provide to um care homes for example and And we scrambled around and got some guidance together, started doing some thinking about how you might need to change legislation to enable local authorities, which are responsible for our social care, to do a better job. And then gradually the whole thing just took off and became completely unmanageable. Um, Point came when I said, I just can't do this by myself. Um, We grew it even more. I became part of a bigger team. Um, And by, I guess, by the time of lockdown, there were probably 100 to 150 of us. Working on it, and so my job turned into first of all putting through some emergency legislation which changed the responsibilities of local authorities, so that if things got really difficult, they could just prioritize the most pressing needs and not have to care for some other people who could who could wait basically once that was done i was I was involved in um, preparation of further guidance um trying to solve trying to resolve and basically a whole load of things being thrown at us. So um, insurers started to get really nervous about insuring care homes. If you don't have insurance you can't operate, so yeah. what do you do? Um, there, were, there, were big, there were big concerns about care home providers um becoming insolvent because all of a sudden they were facing huge costs Having to buy lots of protective equipment, they were um, their you know, people were stopping coming into care homes, so they had empty beds. So how do you how do you how do you flow money to ensure that private companies can survive in in an appropriate way? So endless, I suppose what you'd call endless behind the scenes things which were needed with very quick decisions to ensure that quite a complicated and fragile system. Could keep going and of course we know it was um the thing that overlaid it all was that sadly there were things that didn't work out and that's and there was a high rate of infection with a high rate of deaths um in 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 the care sector which which made it really well all the more pressing but it made really poignant and quite painful at times and it was relentless
0: that whole moving feast thing how did how do you manage that as as a person, but as an organ in within the organisation as well, because it it feels like you know even at our really mundane level of sort of smallish church, mm. week to week things kind of changed, and it was always adapting, adapting, adapting. Yes,
1: it's. I mean, it's just. I think it's, It was really, really difficult. And what's, I guess, organi- big organisations respond to these things in different ways. Typically you end up with a lot more command and control um, unless you're really, which which is probably actually pretty important in an emergency and pandemic. But unless you really get it right, you have duplication because you have lots of people trying to command and control. <laughs> yeah. And so there is there's, there's a constant risk of having to do the same thing twice over or not being clear who you're accountable to and so a lot of effort and a lot of my time went into trying to get those things get those things right and 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 try and make things manageable for the people working with us
0: that sounds like high workloads high pressure as well yes let's Mm -hmm. let's bring sort of god into that Mm. whole dynamic how and coupled with just the relentless business Mm. how does that affect you in terms of one, how you perceive your work and faith and how those two mm. dovetail, but also just you as a person and your walk with God. How do you manage that side of things?
1: So maybe a couple of things um, jump out for me. One was that I was, I was really um, moved and taken by some of the teaching we did, some of the, you know, that, those times we had early in the year in St. John's around just standing before god and crying out to him and that sort of that felt important and then all of a sudden this it was like this juggernaut came along yeah, yeah. and all i had time to do was to think about completing a long day's work and then sort of eating and collapsing and just trying to find a, i mean it was like you know, um yeah, you know, sort of survival existence yeah. and and so it was it was quite a it was that was quite a shock and i think my my faith um, or my relationship with god turned turned very much into that oh help <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah. my my provider <laughs> my father you know i'm not going to be able to cope with this and and there were t- there were times when it was exhilarating but there were times when it was just exhausting or or demoralizing because there was so much to do you knew you had to do it yeah. but you knew you couldn't do it as well as you wanted to and that, that that's quite tough yeah, uh, yeah maybe particularly tough for a perfectionist like me but <laughs> but it's quite t- i think it's quite tough for anyone and it's i think it provokes real questions about is it me that's unable to cope is it the situation so in those circumstances just being able to for a moment remind myself who i was and that i wasn't defined by this situation but i was defined by my relationship with my father was was really really important and i guess that was one of the things that kept me kept me going as well as amazing love and support from my family and and occasional contact with friends and colleagues Mm.
2: That is amazing. Like, my head is slightly blown here, like thinking <laughs> like, okay, we were worrying about small bits that kind of trickle down, whereas you're working at a level that's quite influential in what's been happening over the last couple of months. Um, my thoughts then kind of go to like the, the looking at, we did early in the year about mm. the pursuit of God, mm. and then we looked at this idea of justice and what's been happening recently around the world Um in loads of different situations, whether it's the Black Lives Matters uh, issues, whether it's stuff to do with just injustice on our own doorstep or Mm. the use of food banks or whatever it is. Mm. Um, Do you feel that how you're serving is a form of justice? Or do you... How how do you kind of bring those... Because we found that a lot of people seem to be finding that as they pursue God, justice kind of comes in at some sort of level that actually Mm. I can't just... Have this loving relationship that's just for me. There is mm. a serving element, but I know you're. <laughs> yes.
1: Wow. There's a lot of questions in that question. Yes. Yeah. I I haven't thought about my job as about justice. I I'd say I think it's. You know, I'm a I'm a small part in supporting. Amazing people who actually care for people with needs mm. to do the, the important, difficult, and sometimes dangerous job they've been doing. And obviously, what I what I do believe is that God has given each one of us gifts and and abilities and put us in places. Mm. And he he happens to have put me in this place for this season. And. Some of that felt like endurance, but sometimes but also I guess it felt like it was my place, and it was a good a good and important cause so 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 in a way when when the the whole black lives matter um, debate arose and became big, first of all, I lived it. I have to say, you know, because I was, so, I was so absorbed in my work, I think I partly lived it through others and through my, through my family, um, some of whom were, were immediately much more, I suppose, personally moved and affected and questioning. And, and we, had some, we had some brilliant debates around the, the, the dinner table um, about race, about justice, about injustice. We've already um, asked
0: a gap. I got Agatha to give yeah. us the skinny on that. Yeah. We asked yeah. who who's the most uh, kind of... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but so it's... I, one of the things I love about having young people is we get great, sometimes challenging conversations, but it keeps... It's, you know, it's kind of... It freshens up old lags like me and makes us think anew, and that's so good and important. Um, so so not not in... Not in that sense, but I guess, and you know justice for me has i mean has so many different so many different um manifestations and i I tend almost by nature to be quite cautious about really absorbing something that's new and fresh, so I tend to fall back on the things that have been with me for a long time and and if because we've been talking a lot about justice the things that come to my mind um, first of all something I grew up with quite a lot which is which is what's equality of opportunity giving every child a chance and I I was really fortunate so I grew up in a loving family where I was cared for nurtured and books encouragement stimulation I went to good schools and and then, as I went through the education system, I saw other people who had even more of that and much more money and and all those opportunities and contacts. and I also have con- made contact you know, had contacts with people who or saw people who didn't have that. and one of the things i I really believe is that God wants us you know again, he's given us gifts, He wants each one of us to flourish for um, the right. Purposes and ends, and and I find it very I find very difficult uh, the idea that some people, and especially children, are held back um, because of their circumstances. What have I done about that? You might well ask. Well, I think I'm a sort of keen observer and and worrier about it. I can't say I've done a great deal other than occasion to respond. Really, so I've loved doing. Bits of mentoring, um, joining schemes at work where we we have um, you know, teenagers come in for a bit of work experience, that sort of thing. Um, I I haven't believed that a lot of what needs to change is is at the political and policy level. So so if I can do things to support that, I will. That's one example. Yeah. Shall I go on? I've got, <laughs> if I've got you another want one. To. <laughs> I've got another one. So one of the one of the things that's left the biggest impact on me was four months of voluntary work in a residential home for people for adults with uh, with learning difficulties um not long after I left university and that opened my eyes to i suppose the the completeness and the humanness of people regardless of their ability or disability. And I, I love that job and that's stayed with me ever since. And if there's something I feel in my gut, it is a longing for people of all abilities to be seen as worthwhile and, and, and worth, worthy of respect. Um, even if in economic terms, they're not doing a great deal. It doesn't matter. So there, there are other things, and and I remember seeing um, going to a local church um, with with some of the uh, some of the people I was helping look after, and they would um, they would receive communion, and at that moment you know I saw them as being you know, equal in God's eyes to everyone else, equally deserving of His grace and love, and and I believe that. You know, Whatever their brains could compute, I don't know. I believe that in some way, God's love and and Jesus' sacrifice on the cross spoke to them through 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 that, you know, through the way they received communion, and that was I and mean, that was just really powerful and special, and it stayed with me.
0: This, this is quite a personal question, so you can tell me to heave ho if you want. You, you talked a little bit earlier about the sort of. Crying out to the father, and kind of that, but just that raw. I need help. As a father, just what you've articulated as well. Watching, you know, respect to Agatha earlier, and somebody who is obviously wrestling with a, a disability. Mm. How has how that sort of coloured? How have you kind of seen that as a as a dad, sort of looking on and seeing your you, your daughter that you love sort of wrestle with that, and knowing how much you you, you sort of intervene so to speak or uh, it's a poorly worded question but sort of trying to tease out that sense of what's it like as a dad to sort of be alongside that. And...
1: I think I'd have to say that I first and foremost I see her as an individual person who like all of us has her strengths, has her weaknesses, has her struggles, has her victories and I certainly don't put her in a different category. She she is my daughter, and she is a human being. So, so in that sense, I there is no difference because I have strengths and weaknesses and struggles and victories. They just happen to be different, and mm-hmm. and they probably they're you know, perceived differently and they come across differently. Um, of course, there are moments, and they were probably most acute when Agatha was younger, and we were still processing lots of things where there was a lot more rawness Um, but the other thing is that I think I've learned that over time that I can't I need to allow her to be herself and a lot of a lot of my feelings derived from seeing the joy that she feels of things and the positives and living those out. Yeah. So um and that's that's what I that's yeah. what I want to do.
0: Anyway, thank you very much for for your for your time and for yeah. everything that you've offered me. It's
1: a pleasure. I'll go back to work now.
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'll go and have some supper. That's it, <laughs> yeah.